We're going to begin tonight in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, but I'd also, while you're looking for things to find, go ahead and find Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 as well. We're going to be actually ending on that passage tonight. So, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, and Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Those are the two passages we're going to be looking at tonight, and I want to show you... Uh, share with you a a contrast that you're going to see tonight from these two passages of Scripture. And really tonight, I think it's all about our heart and what our heart really wants and what we really want in our life. Um, Because Paul, last week we we ended where Paul was talking about contentment and, and learning about what contentment is all about. We want to begin there tonight, but we're going to see tonight that That's why God wants our heart more than anything. That's why the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. Because if we truly love God in that way, then everything else in our life, again, will fall into its proper place. It's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. If we don't, pursue God in that way, then what we do is we rob ourselves of what really is worthwhile and we go after other things in our life. And that's what we're going to see tonight. That's what happens. That's sort of the uh, consequence of not, in a sense, going after God most of all. Notice what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Now, godliness... Devotion to God in action is what godliness is, as we talked about last week. Combined with contentment, the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, believing that I have all I need with Christ, brings great gain or great profit. That's what's of real value. Godliness combined with contentment. And again, I I want us to to just camp there for a minute on that concept of contentment. Remember last week we talked in Philippians 4 how Paul said, I had to learn to be content. It was through the process of following Jesus as a disciple that I learned that all I need is Christ and all that, that I have along with Christ and what He gives me, that's all I really need. I don't need anything else. Again, when we think about that kind of a concept, you could read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You know, He leads me beside still waters. He, he takes me to the pastures. You know, He will provide everything. All I have to do is follow like an obedient sheep. And my shepherd will take really good care of me and I will lack nothing. That's the essence, if you will, of the concept of contentment. And all of us should should seek to get to that place in our life. And here's why. Because he says in verse 7, for we brought nothing, not one thing, into this world. And again, last week I talked about how that we've got to say, am I living primarily for this world? Or am I living or investing more in the world to come? 
Again, so many verses throughout the Bible talk to us about that. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasure on earth, but treasure in heaven. Uh, the rich young ruler was piling up all these things. And, and Jesus, when he told the story, said, you fool, tonight your soul's going to be required of you. And then what are, what's going to happen to all these things that you've been piling up and storing away? In Colossians chapter 3, Paul says to the Colossians, set your affections on things above, not things on the earth. You see. So the Bible goes on and on about this whole concept of living more for the life and world to come and investing in eternity rather than wrapping ourselves up in the life that now is. This world. This world. Because remember what the Bible also says, that this world is really lying in the power of the evil one. This world is, is not God's emphasis, if you will, as far as grabbing things from this world. That's why Jesus even said when he was arrested, if my kingdom was of the earth, then I'd have my followers fight. But my kingdom's not of this world, you see. So that's where our emphasis should be as well. And then he goes on to say, and so we cannot take a single thing out either. We are brought into this world naked and we go out of this world naked, not taking any of our stuff with us. So then Paul goes on to say, if we have food and shelter, if we have what God, in a sense, defines as adequate, that should be enough. That should be enough to satisfy us, to be content with that. And that's where we left off last week. Again, then we moved to Philippians chapter 4, where Paul said, but I had to learn to get to that place of contentment, that whatever I had with Jesus, that was enough. Now, only you and I can answer that question in our hearts of, are we there yet? Are we on the road to there yet? Because that's an important road for us all to be on, on that road to becoming content to recognizing that everything that we have in Christ will be sufficient and that everything that Christ allows for us to have, that'll be enough for me. Because if we don't get to that place, then notice what we begin to fill our lives with. Now, if you take notes or you mark in your Bible or whatever, I have a couple words that I, I want to, to emphasize tonight because I want you to see, if you will, the parallel and the contrast between the use of these terms or concepts in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and how Paul uses them, obviously for a much different pursuit in Philippians chapter 3. Notice he says, first of all, those who long to be rich. I want you to to mark or circle or write the word long. The word speaks about a determination. One that, that means that I am so determined to get to that goal that I plan for it. I, I do everything I can to accomplish that end. And Paul says that there are some even Christians, because he's writing here to Christians in the church. He said there are some, instead of longing for God, instead of determining in their life that they 
want more of God and therefore they plan their lives accordingly. He says there are some who determine to be rich, to be wealthy, to have an abundance of material possessions is what the word rich means. However, notice what he says. If that's what we long for, rather than longing for God, then Paul says we end up stumbling into temptation and a trap. We become entrapped. We become spiritually distracted and diverted, if you will, from what is really worthwhile. So get what Paul's saying here. If you and I aren't longing after God, our heart is a vacuum. Our heart then will end up longing after something other than God. And many times in this world, we get caught up in the materialism of this world. And instead of longing for God, we set a course on our life to acquire more and more stuff in this world and from this world. And when we do that, when we set a course of our life for that, that automatically diverts us and distracts us from the time and energy and effort that we could pursue God with. It's why Jesus said in Luke 16, 3, no one can serve two masters. You and I cannot serve God and money or material possessions. Can't do it. Because Jesus said, if I'm truly serving one, if I'm making myself available to one, then I can't make myself totally available to the other. And I think what Jesus also is implying here is that there will be times that if I'm truly following Jesus, I may have to sacrifice something materially in order to gain something spiritually. And nowadays, a lot of Christians, that's a hard choice for them. Sacrifice materially to gain something spiritually. And the reason I say that is because I've had Christians over the years say, you know, I know that this move or this this new job that I'm taking on is not going to be the best thing for me spiritually, but I'm going to make more money. You know, it's like, so, so you're, you're placing, we're going to be in a higher bracket monetarily, but I'm going to suffer spiritually for it. And that's what Paul is saying here. You and I have to determine what are we longing for in this life? Are we longing for more of God or by the way we have set a course for our life, are we so diverted and distracted that we're, we're not getting more of God because we're going after so many other things? And so notice what he goes on to say. He says, when we do that, not only do we get diverted and distracted spiritually, but then we get caught up in senseless, foolish, thoughtless, and harmful or hurtful desires that literally plunge people. The word means to drown or submerge into ruin and destruction 
the loss of what is truly worthwhile and worth living for. Wow. Wow. So that's why that word long in verse 9 is a real key word here tonight. Again, it speaks about a determination. A determination that drives my planning, my preparation, and everything in life. What are we determined for? What are we determined to go after in our life? And then he says this, For the love of money, greed, covetousness, is the root, the source, the origin, the cause of all evils. Very interestingly, in the original, this not only means something evil or wicked, it also speaks about crime. And when you think about it, even our modern society, is that not true? That much of our crime is due to people wanting more and more and more, and they'll do anything they can to get more and more and more. Whether you're talking about stealing or whether you're talking about shoplifting or whether you're talking about embezzlement or whatever you're talking about. There is so much crime, not to mention things like the drug you know, cartels and all that. There, there is so much crime that is based on the love of money. And then he says this. Some people in reaching, that's the next key word. The first one was long. The second one is reaching for it. The word means to stretch themselves out. Think of the picture that Paul's painting. He's like, this is the way people live for things. And they're, they're willing to stretch themselves out for those things. But he says, if we stretch ourselves out for these things, we can end up, notice, straying from the faith. That's why he's talking to Christians here. Not unbelievers. He's saying Christians can get to the point that if, if, if our longing and our reaching, if you will, in life is for something other than God, then we can end up straying away from the faith. And then notice, even notice, personally, if you will, wounding ourselves and causing ourselves a bunch of unnecessary pain. I love these words. He says, and we can stab ourselves with many pains. Literally, we can wound ourselves deeply and experience much personal anguish by determining and longing in life and and reaching for things rather than for God. So Paul says in verse 11, But you, as a person dedicated to God, keep away from all that. Run away from it, is literally what the word means. And here's another key word. Instead, pursue. Circle that word. Mark that word. Pursue. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, endurance, and gentleness. Pursue. See, 
Notice the contrast here. In, in the other verses, people were caught up longing and reaching for other things. Paul says, but the, the, the follower of God should pursue these things. And here's what the word pursue means. It says to run after something with great effort. To run after something with great effort. And then I'm going to add this. Because the Greeks did. Like a hound on a hunt. Now I don't know how many of you have ever had a hound dog or were around hound dogs. I had a beagle growing up named Snoopy. That beagle was bred to run rabbits. And I'm telling you what, when that beagle would go outside, that beagle's nose was to the ground. And I mean, you did not deter that beagle's nose from the scent that it had picked up. I mean, when you, you watch these fascinating stories of missing people and stuff, and these, these bloodhounds and basset hounds and stuff, and they get a scent of something, and I'm telling you what, they are on that, and they will not deviate until they find what they're looking for. That's what this word means. That's the picture I want you to get in your mind. It's like a hound on a hunt. I am pursuing these things. I got a scent, and I'm not going to let anything distract me or deviate me from this goal. Because remember, in contrast, Paul said earlier, that when you and I, if we get caught up in materialism and longing to be rich, then we can stumble into temptation and a trap. And those things divert us and distract us from the things of God. From what godliness talks about. Devotion to God in action. And therefore then we cannot be as devoted to God or to the things of God that we should be. Again, why? Well, because we're spending our time and energy going after other things. And again, like Jesus, you can't do both. You can't. you got to pick one. Isn't that why Joshua even said to the people of Israel at the end of the book of Joshua, choose this day who you're going to serve. Let's, let's get real. In fact, we're going to talk about that on Sunday. Let's get real. Talk about some things. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Folks, this is obviously a challenge to all of us, especially those of us who live in America. Because unlike maybe some other countries around the world, we can have so much so quickly that we have to just continually guard ourselves about what are we longing for? What are we reaching after? Is it God and the things of God? Or are we allowing other things to creep in to where we are getting diverted and distracted from what is really worthwhile? And that's why Paul is telling Timothy, these are the things that you must teach your people in your church. Because if, if this was true of people a couple thousand years ago in the city of Ephesus, it's certainly true for us today. Why? Because human nature doesn't change. No matter what time in history you and I live in, all of us have to, in a sense, make that choice of 
What does our heart really want? What do we really want out of this life? What is it really that we want to go after? What are we determined to go after that drives even what we plan for? You see. So three key words there in this passage. Long, reaching, and pursue. Now I want to take you to the passage that I want to end with tonight. And I want you to keep your finger there if you have a physical Bible. If not, just mark that or something because I, I want you to be able to go back and forth uh, a little bit and go to the book of Philippians chapter 3. In the book of Philippians, Paul is sharing, in a sense, his determination in life. And I want you to see that what Paul has been teaching Timothy is something that Paul himself sort of said a long time ago, this is where I'm at. This is what my life is all about. And he wants to set an example. Notice in verse 12 of Philippians 3. He says, not that I have already attained this. Attained what? Well, in the context, if you go up to verse 10 of chapter 3, it's to know Him in order to be like Him. You see those phrases? My aim is to know Him, to experience the power of His resurrection, to share in His sufferings, and to be like Him in His death. But notice something very important here. That Paul says... Knowing him more isn't just about gaining more knowledge about him in an intellectual or analytical way. It's about gaining more knowledge of Christ so that I can become more like him. Again, we're going to talk about this on Sunday. The Bible is not for information, it's for transformation. My growing knowledge of Jesus isn't to just make me more aware of who Jesus is so that I could pass a test on the life of Christ. <laughs> it's so that my life begins to reflect and resemble Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And Paul says in verse 12, I have not gotten there yet. You see, I'm not totally like him in all respects. I have not already, verse 12, been perfected or reached my final goal. But notice this next word, but I strive. Mark that word. Strive. The word means to press or literally in the original to strain every muscle towards something. Now again, think about the words that Paul used in 1 Timothy 6. Longing, reaching, pursuing. And now Paul says, I strive. I am straining every muscle toward something. How many of us as Christians strain our muscles for anything? And I'm not talking physically. I'm talking straining our physical, emotional, and spiritual muscles towards anything. Salvation is this wonderful gift when we trust Christ as our Savior. But Christ, as the Bible teaches, is this pearl of great price. And so I can have this thing of greatest value, but 
what God wants to see in all of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ and disciples is that I begin to understand what I really have in him. And I plumb the depths of who Jesus is. That's what the life of discipleship is all about. That doesn't happen just at conversion. Again, you'll see where we're going to talk more about this concept on Sunday even. It's amazing how these series parallel and go together. And that's why Paul says, I didn't have to strain every muscle to become a Christian. All I had to do to become a Christian was to accept Jesus as my Savior. Believe in Jesus and what He did for me. And dying for me and and raising from the dead for me and all that. That's what I had to do for salvation. But in order to experience all of Him and to truly know Him so that I can be like Him and begin to be like Him, I have to strain every muscle to accomplish that. I have to put forth great effort. And Paul is saying to us then by looking at these two passages together tonight that I'm either going to, in my life, strain every muscle or long or determine myself in one direction or the other. Because unlike what many people, even Christians, will will sell today is you and I can't have it all. We can't. No human being can have it all. We might think and we might deceive ourselves into thinking, I can have it all. No, we can't. Whatever we choose to go after there means we have to give up so many other things in order to achieve that. By saying a total yes to something means I have to say a lot of no's to other things. Which is what Paul's going to say here in just a moment. So, strive Really key word. I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. I love that. Paul's saying, do you realize for each of us, Jesus wanted to grab a hold of us and he wanted us to experience him in such a way that that he could transform himself into our lives. That's what he grabbed a hold of us for. Not just to bring us close to Himself, but so that then His life could be lived out in and through us. That's why He grabbed a hold of us. It wasn't just to snatch us out of of the power of sin and, and hell and death. It was to draw us closer and closer and closer to Him so that we could experience Him and be filled up with Him. That's why He grabbed a hold of us. And so Paul says, I'm going to strain every muscle in my life to go after why Jesus grabbed a hold of me. So he says, brothers and sisters, fellow believers, I again do not consider myself to have attained this yet. I have not reached my goal. Instead, I am single-minded. That means that I am choosing one thing above another. I am choosing one thing before all others. Again, that's that concept. If I'm saying yes to this, that means I've got to say no, 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 and no, and no to these things. That's being single-minded. What's James say? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Why does double-mindedness produce instability? Because you can't go after two things totally at the same time. 
It's impossible. So you and I, as followers, have a choice to make. What are we really going after? Where's our heart? What is the most important thing? What are we determined to go after more than anything else that will drive everything else in our life? All our choices, all our decisions, all our planning, all our preparation. And then I love this too. This is an important point. If we're going to do that, if we're going to go after things like a hound on a hunt, Paul says too, I've got to learn to forget the things that are behind. I've got to continually and completely let go of the past and not look back. Choosing. Choosing to let go of the past and not focus on it. I can't forget those things. I cannot physically take those memories and those things out of our minds. We can't do it. But I can choose not to dwell on it, not to focus on it, not to think about it, and just keep on moving forward. And Paul says, that's so important. Again, think of the hound. Once the hound locks onto the scent, the hound doesn't look back. The hound keeps tracking. And Paul says, that's what you and I have to do. And then he says this, forgetting the things that are behind, and here's the word, reaching. Same word, that's why I wanted you to keep that space, The word reaching here, to stretch oneself out, to strain forward, to reach something. It's the same Greek word in Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 that Paul uses and used tonight in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. Only they're reaching for the love of money and material possessions there in 1 Timothy 6, 10, where Paul is reaching forward for Christ. To stretch oneself out. To strain to reach something. I mean, you can picture it, can't you? You and I have all been in situations, whether it was in our home or something, and something was just out of reach. Now, being six foot three, I, I don't have that problem as much as many people, but just even last week, sometimes I feel like I just need to go to the supermarket just to be a help to somebody. Because almost every time I walk in, you, this dear you know, person will look up at me and go, could you reach that for me all the way on that top shelf? And I'm like, sure. Because, you know, I, I, I sort of, you know, they're, they're, they're reaching for it, but they can't quite get And you just know what's going to happen, right? Because maybe it's happened to you where you try to reach for something that's just out of reach, and then things start to just fall. And then there's a whole mess. That's the picture, though, of this word. And Paul's saying, all of us as followers of Jesus Christ, that's what we should be, that's what we should be reaching for. Straining every muscle to go after the Lord in our lives. He says, reaching for the things that are ahead. Do you know God has great things ahead for you and for us as a church? But He wants us to reach out for it. It's not going to just fall into our lap. 
We've got to be willing to put forth the effort and the energy and the focus and the intensity like that hound on the hunt. And yeah, you're going to hear me say that a lot because I want you to get that picture stuck in your head. And Paul says this, with this goal in mind, I strive. Second time he used that word in this passage. He used it in verse 12. I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. And now again, he says, I strive. I strain every muscle toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward call means the highest call. Think about that. God invites you and I to a calling that is higher than every other calling we could ever pursue. What God has for us in our lives is better than anything else. It's the best. It's God's best offer to us. That's the highest call. And Paul said, this is the pursuit of my life. This is what I am running after with great effort like a hound on a hunt. This is what I'm striving for. This is what I'm reaching for. It's not material things. It's the highest call of God on my life. That's what Paul lived for. That's what he was determined to go after. Everything else in his life was subservient to that goal, that end, that aim. And then he ends just the first phrase of verse 15. Therefore, let those of us who are perfect, and the word perfect here doesn't mean sinless. It means those of us who are spiritually growing and achieving spiritual maturity, let us embrace this point of view. This should be what growing Christians, maturing Christians, this should be what our mindset is. The same as Paul. That I am willing to strive to reach, to pursue the things of God and God Himself. And everything else has to come second. Because as Paul said in Timothy, if in my life or your life, we pursue something else more than God and the things of God, then all the time and energy and determination and planning and preparation and reaching and striving and stuff that we do for whatever that is takes precious time and energy and effort away from what we could have done with God. And we've only got so much time. Which is why I think Moses said in Psalm 90, Lord, remind us of our mortality so that we might live wisely. So that we might choose 
the very best thing. And the very best thing, let me repeat these verses. Here's what Paul says is the best thing. Not that I have already attained this. That is, I have not already been perfected, but I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this, but instead I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. With this goal in mind, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let let me say this, because I passed this by without emphasizing this, and this is important too. Notice Paul calls the accepting of this highest call of God in his life a prize? Because that's exactly how we should view it. It's a reward. It's, it's the award of God. It's not something that's like, oh, if I, if I give my life to God, we just say, take my life, let it be. And so many Christians, they're reluctant to just give all their life to God because, again, there's that erroneous idea that if... I just give my life to God and just surrender my life to God, I'm going to be miserable. I'm not going to get to do what I want to do. and I'm going to miss out on all these things. And Paul says, no, no, no. When you and I get to know God and we understand this highest call that God has on each of our lives, We will not look at it as missing out at all. We will look at it as a prize, as a reward, as as an award from God for following Him. God promises, I will bless you if you follow me. You will lack for nothing. You will be totally fulfilled and satisfied. Just accept the highest call. The highest call is on my life, living for Jesus, no matter what the price. There's a crown of life for those who give their all, living for Jesus, accepting the highest call. Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight for these great passages of Scripture. Passages, Lord, that challenge each and every one of us to examine our lives and our hearts. What do we really want out of this life more than anything else? What what does our heart want more than anything else? What are we longing for? What are we reaching for? What are we striving for and pursuing? Is it you, Lord, and your call on our life? Or is it something or someone else? God, I pray that God, we would get to a place like Paul. Where as we continue to walk with you, we would realize that God, what you offer us is the absolute best we could ever experience. That what you have planned for us in glory is beyond, Lord, our comprehension. And we'll make whatever suffering and pain and agony that we go through down here on earth 
seem very insignificant. But God, what you have planned for us even right now before we get there is totally unbelievable. Totally satisfying and fulfilling if we'll just follow you and pursue you so that, God, we can know you and become like you. The highest call is on our life. Living for Jesus, no matter what the price. There's a crown of life for those who give their all. Living for Jesus, accepting the highest call. God, go with us. Take us home safely tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday.